Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Thursday, Silver 7's getting ready for Thursday night football. 77 cent beers during the game. That's all NFL games at Silver 7's. John Von Tobel is here. It's Cofield. We've got an awesome game tonight. We'll break it down as the show goes along. Division rival of the Raiders. Chargers against division rival of the Raiders Chiefs. Division rivals. Chiefs and the Chargers going at it. Last year's games were awesome between the two of them. Chargers won the first game, and the Chiefs won the second in overtime. So we'll get to the latest betting updates, some player prop options, other bets from John Von Tobel, bets from Brad Powers using all the William Hill Race and Sportsbook numbers. Let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. I mentioned Brad Powers, so of course we're going to do some college football later on. We'll do some college football in uh, each of the hours today because tonight's kind of the official start of the college football weekend. If I'm mistaken, though, is tonight really light on the college football slate? Is there a game? There's no game tonight. No FCS either. I do not believe so. I'll double check the FCS, but I know what the... is going on early in the season. Like I, mean, I understand staying out of the way of uh, the first Thursday night football game, but tonight nothing. Weird. Probably. I mean, I, I've, I guess. I mean, maybe I'm misremembering. I know that there are Thursday games, but I, I believe those have. I guess a little bit later in the week or later in the season. I would say. <laughs> yes. Um, Tomorrow, you've got Florida State, Louisville, yes. and then you've got a Mountain West Conference showdown, oh, yeah. which I'm looking forward to. Wyoming at home, hosting Air Force, getting 16 and a half. Now, the Rebels will be at Allegiant on Saturday. Fascinating game because, for the first time in a couple of years, it feels like UNLV has expectations, and if they want to have a jump up in terms of results – you know, get the five, six, or even seven wins, which that would be a big jump up from two. This is a massive game against a North Texas team who basically has the same goals to, you know, get back to bowl eligibility and get to, like, six, seven wins. Uh, yeah, and actually, I would say they literally do have expectations. They're favorite of the game. Yeah. They're a three-point favorite in the game. So they are expected. No one expects us to win. Right. Yeah, they do. You're minus three. Right. Not, not that UNLV is saying that, but we played a bite yesterday, and I think it was tongue-in-cheek from Nick Wright, who's a big Kansas City fan, Fox Sports guy, who was echoing the sentiment of, like, four hot takers around the country saying that everyone roared off the Chiefs. And you responded immediately. You're like, they were the division favorites and one of the favorites in the AFC and one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. No one's – okay. Very few people are writing them off. Right. If anybody gets complained, it would be UNLV and UNLV football, who many, you know, many people and pundits write off on a consistent basis. But And here's to add to that, by the way. It's not even just, hey, you're projected to win this game. You're favored by three. The betting market came in on you. You opened up as an underdog. When the lines opened on, on Sunday, immediately went to UNLV being the favorite, and now you're laying a full field goal. So there are expectations to a certain extent uh, and thoughts that this program is better. But I think you put it really well. If you're a program that is getting better, that is on the right track, that wants to build on a almost near win on the road against a Power 5 opponent, albeit Cal, still a road win potentially. It was right there for the taking for you. If you're UNLV, these are the games that you win. At home, against similarly rated teams that have similar goals and expectations. So I'm really intrigued by this. Like This is a true coin flip, if you talk about that in the sense of the, the point spread, right, within three points. 
this is a really intriguing matchup because I think North Texas does a lot of interesting stuff on their offense, and it's a good test for what is one of the strengths of this UNLV team, which is the interior of their defensive line. So I'm very, very interested, and I'm very excited that I get to be on the sidelines for it. I cannot wait to watch this up close and see what this is going to be like. John, we'll be doing the radio sidelines with Russ Langer and Caleb Herring. They'll be upstairs. Uh, TV side, I'll actually be doing some TV on the uh, Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network, brand new channel, relatively brand new channel, in conjunction with Fox. So it's on Fox 5.2 and Cox 125. So if you want to watch on TV, radio is a great option as well, but I'll be there with Matt Neverett. Listen on radio. Okay. You can push, Actually, watch it on you, TV. You can push for your people. Watch it on turn TV. Down the sound. Turn down the sound. Right? Turn, turn off. <laughs> Sync up the radio. And Neverett. Yeah. Holy cow, what's going on here? What is going on here? All right, we're all set up for what could be a title-clinching victory with the Aces mm-hmm. going against Connecticut. What did you think of the other night? We talked uh, early in the week about making adjustments, FIBA ball back in effect, none of that 67-point crap that uh, so many folks in the WNBA became used to. Up-tempo, move the ball, smaller lineups, not pitching it inside 50 times a game. Oh. Becky Hammond has this team on the verge of the organization's first WNBA title. Close it out, baby. Let's go. Win a title. Who cares if it's on the road? Put the foot on the throat and end this thing now. You know, this doesn't need to be dragged out in any way whatsoever. I think it is very clear that Las Vegas is the better team. And actually, should probably give this some credit, too. Talk about getting out of the way of certain events. Um, the WNBA going head-to-head with the NFL on multiple nights Man, when it comes right. to the finals. Just, just hit me again. <laughs> Sunday they open. Right. Thursday night football. Chargers and Chiefs. And then if there's a game four, they're back on Sunday. Now, I will say, I guess in their argument, the, the, to, to make an argument for them, this Thursday is only on Amazon Prime, correct, as we go forward. So maybe you're, you're maybe going to steal some eyes because not a lot of people do have Amazon to watch the game later tonight. Uh, but having said that, no, I think like we open up, it kind of dovetails nicely. We talk about expectations for a program like UNLV. I think high, how highly rated this Las Vegas Aces team is and how much better they have been playing. And when players like Kelsey Plum break out of slumps and you crush an opponent, there is an expectation that you're going to go on the road tonight and end this thing. And I think there should be that expectation. Nothing against the Aces, and I don't think they put this out, but I saw a lot of people before the finals and during the finals in the WNBA with the Aces saying, the Aces were set to bring Las Vegas its first professional title. Oof. We've had professional sports here for, you know, 50-plus years. We had a dynasty in the Las Vegas Locos. They were incredible. As uh, Paul Gutierrez pointed out, and he didn't say this, but I will, you know, <laughs> don't let the facts get in the way of a good narrative. It's, it's not correct. Right. Now, would the title be cool for the city? Yes. Would it be cool for the organization? Yes. Cool for Mark Davis? Yes, but Gutierrez pointed out uh, PCL Stars, AAA Baseball, 86 and 88 titles. Silver Streaks won in 1988. We've had, as you mentioned, the UFL with Jim Fossil, rest in peace, mm-hmm. winning the two, right? Yeah. Or, yep, back-to-back. Yep, 2009 and 2010 won a couple of titles. Oh, man, I went out and go watch those. Those were great games. That Cato June when I was still in my youth and thought that football players were gods amongst men. Now, I know we had parades for the running Rebels. And by the way, Gutierrez talked to Mark Davis uh, about the Aces. He said, hopefully we're going to bring a basketball championship to Las Vegas. You've seen that happen once with Jerry Tarkanian. So maybe this will be another one. Now for the running Rebels, there was a big celebration. 
What are they going to do for a celebration? I think the, the I think the sky had a parade last year. Yeah. I think I, I think that if I remember correctly, the reports did say, and like numbers are always fudged when it comes to these things. They did sell out the home games here, correct? So I think there was a support that enough that you could hold a parade. There would be, depending on the day. That's a pretty, I'd go. That's a pretty big thing to bite off. Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, is there levels of a parade? You could still have a parade. Could you do it downtown? Like technically, if if all four could of us do... go down the street together, marching and dancing to music, isn't that a parade? Would it be wise to do it downtown? It's kind of like an orgy, right? As long as everybody's barefoot. It's an order. Just moving on from what you're saying. <laughs> Could they just kind of do some loops around downtown? I think that would be a better spot. Yeah. I think the, the strip is a kind of a oh, that's a big deal. Downtown's cooler. Go downtown. Do some loops down there. Stop in front of the courthouse. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but yeah, go downtown. Yeah, go hang that out. That probably would be. That'd be. That could be one of the spots. Or you, you'd probably more likely you would do it on one of the stages right. on Fremont. I think that'd be really cool. It'd be a very Vegas-esque type of deal. That's the idea. So we'll try to be there. Got to win it first. Because oh, now they've they gone don't. cross country and Connecticut yeah. is not crap, so I mean maybe the state is. I'll I'll cover isn't. it for the the station. I'll, I'll take that. I think we have other people who want to cover it. I oh. think we're good. Oh. There's other uh, WNBA insiders. I think Willie would be first first in line to rep ESPN Las Vegas in the group. Hmm. That's his beat. Fine. Well, don't get all you Let's can. See. I mean, we can have a second person <laughs> cover it. You you like you want? No, to, now I'm going on my free time. You, I don't know. You you're know? puffing your chest out, sideline guy. Now you, you want to be the uh, WNBA. He's actually just trying to promote the game that's going to be on our radio station. But that is a good fine. point. Yeah, pregame's coming up after we're out of here at uh, five o'clock for Aces and Connecticut. All right, Raiders. How much more do we have to talk about the offensive line? A lot until it gets better. And we talked much of the week about hey, this was maybe a team protection issue. Mm. Offensive linemen themselves issue. Derek Carr not getting the ball out in time issue. So do you have some good numbers on this to suggest where more problems were? Let's get a little more focused on what the problem was. Yeah, I think one of the things when it comes to quarterback pressure is I don't think a lot of people, and it's becoming more of a a widely, um, widely considered thought, but I don't think a lot of people really realize that quarterbacks are responsible for pressure as well, as are. And actually, we talked to Marcus Soroy about this at the beginning of camp against uh, uh, in summer with his running backs as our running backs, right? Pass protections, it falls on a lot of different key pieces. And if you look at some of the tracking data from Pro Football Focus, who looks at a lot of stuff, and they have a stat allowed pressures, quarterbacks among them, and they rank quarterbacks in the National Football League by it. The Raiders in that game against the Chargers, 40% of the pressures that Carr took, he was responsible for it. Or the running backs were responsible for it. Offensive line only tagged 60% of the pressures that he experienced. Again, it's one game. It's a small sample size. But it, it just speaks to, like, when I was watching that, especially the last few sacks, there was a lot of dancing in the pocket from Carr and holding on to the ball and not either getting out or getting rid of it, kind of living to fight another day, to use the cliche. And, and I think we get wrapped up so much because the offensive line was such a big storyline coming into this season where you watch a game like that, you see Khalil Mack has three sacks. I'm like, oh, here we go, offensive line. But in reality, if you look at some of the numbers and watch with your eyes, Carr had a lot of responsibility on him, as did the running backs, not allow- allowing that pressure to happen. What do you think of the numbers I threw Rod Woodson? Yesterday, Rod Woodson was on with us, former Raiders coach, former Raiders player, future, current, XFL, Las Vegas coach. I threw Carr's numbers and what he produced throwing to the right and to the left. To the right, 12 of 15, 145 and a touchdown. To the left, 
5 of 15, 80 yards, touchdown, two INTs. Two interceptions, 5 of 15, 80 yards left. I think one game it doesn't mean anything. I would like to see his career. I think that's the more important thing. One, it's always You always take one game with a grain of salt. In football, you as a team get nine, ten possessions. It's an inherently small sample size. So anything you take from one game is really random. So I would say I don't really put a lot of stock into it, but I would say if we looked at it for career and he was consistently bad to his left as opposed to his right, then you got something. 77-cent beers come on down tonight and every NFL game day. Thursday night football coming up. Silver 7s is the spot. Bud Light Lounge open across the way in front of the William Hill Racing Sportsbook. It's a silver and gold bar. 77-cent bottles during all NFL games. Bud, Bud Light, McUltra. They got a uh, 777 hot dog special, two dogs, two bags of chips, and a big beer. Again, Bud, Bud Light, McUltra. It's Silver Sevens, best spot in town for NFL. Certainly the uh, most bargain-ready spot with 77-cent beers. Get on down here to Silver Sevens. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, they're coming to the game. So I'm excited about sorry. I'm super excited. Yeah. <laughs> that was my question. Yeah, yeah, they're coming. Yeah, they'll be here. My grandma, she we already got her set up at one of the MGM resorts. <laughs> so yeah, she'll be in town. And then my daughter's birthday is next week, so she'll be out here just hanging out in Vegas, probably on the slots or something, chilling, just hanging out with us. So it's good to have them in town. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens. It's Cofield and Company. Nice job there, right? You're getting paid by MGM, Devontae Adams. Get the pop in there as much as you can. We're at Silver Sevens. Although we love MGM as well. He's a pro. He's a problem? No, he's a pro. Oh, he's a pro. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> John Vontae, he has a problem for uh, NFL. Opposing defense. defenses. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. So yesterday was kind of an alarming day, more than an alarming day. A reminder once again that Brett Favre, uh, not the greatest guy, not convicted of anything yet, but more allegations come out. Money problems with the state of Mississippi. We go back to his career. He had wiener problems and exposing himself and massage issues. And there's been kind of a mixed reaction. I, I've seen some people rush to protect Brett Favre. I don't really get it. But he's cultivated this loyal following. I feel like the word canceled is coming up for some reason. And it's amazing. In the state of Mississippi... There's been money given to him or redirected to him that hurts regular people, but regular people will back him. I don't get it. I know you saw a great story where Charles Robinson, Yahoo, NFL insider, laid it out there like this is repeated behavior by one Brett Favre. And can I just say, he, he lays it out, but what I liked about what he did and how he puts it out there is... When he tweets it out, he says something along the lines of, I've been part of spinning the narrative forward here that Brett Favre oh, good. is blue-collar guy who is, you know, like Americana, right? Like, that's the guy that you want to you want to look at and be like, hey, he's just a simple kid from the South, blah, 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 blah whatever, right? But that's not the case, and he's not really a good dude. And so when Robinson put that out there, that's how we spun it, and, like, that's the headline. Brett Favre, an example of NFL hero worship gone wrong. And this is what I say all the time. And I actually kind of made a joke when we talked about the Las Vegas Locos, how when I was much younger, I was in that, kind of wrapped up in that. Like, oh, man, you know, there's a lot of people I talked about. Who's Cato June? I was a big Colts fan. You know, Cato June was a starting linebacker for them when they won the, uh, when they won the Super Bowl when I was in high school. And so you, you, get so, you get so wrapped up into the fandom, you don't look at them as human beings. 
But since I've joined media and you understand that these are people, but there are still people who get kind of wrapped up and stuck in that. And I thought this was why I liked the piece like this, because it's somebody who has spun that narrative about him being a little bit more than a person, when in reality, he is like me and you. We're all pieces of garbage, some of us a little bit more so than others. And then this is what happens. And he puts it through there, right? Like, notice notice, I backed off the mic. <laughs> I didn't step up at all. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Speak for yourself. <laughs> no, we are. Right? Like, all of us have our flaws. And, like, and he puts it. This is the best part about it. Lest we forget in the final weeks of his career being Favre, the NFL said Favre failed to fully cooperate with league investigation and whether he sent former New York Jets employee Jen Sturger multiple unsolicited photos. Right? 2013 civil settlement over a lawsuit brought by two massage therapists that you mentioned. Questionable business dealings, one involving litigation over bankrupt digital sports media uh, company. Uh, Favre heavily endorsed, uh, let's see, the department of, uh, like I think it was a brand that uh, Favre heavily endorsed, right. They came under scrutiny for statements about uh, pain-relieving creams that hadn't been approved by the FDA. He just goes on and on about the things that Favre has gotten himself into. And again, this isn't about, because like nothing legally has really stick with Brett Favre. It's just pointing out. You know, I always like to use the phrase on social media, like, hope he sees this, bro. Like, all these people that come to the defense of all these people who couldn't give a rat's A about you if they ran into you in the street, right? Wait, who, uh, wait, back up a little bit? Huh? Hope he sees you? Who said that? Oh, no, I'm saying that's my favorite response on social media. So, like, when people are sitting there like, Barb's a good guy, like, and you respond with, I hope he sees this, buddy. Oh, okay, like, okay. He doesn't care. I thought someone was throwing it out there like a threat, like Brett no, Barb's no, going to beat no. up detractors on social it's media. Just, it's one of my favorite things to say to people, right? It's right. like, hey, hope this rich and famous person sees you sticking up for them because they don't really care about you. And, that's, and to me, that is what this whole Favre thing is. I said this when we talked about Frank Gore and when he got into legal issues a couple of weeks back, and we were actually talking about it here at Silver Sevens. Never think, because I think if you talk to anybody about Frank Gore, they would say, wholesome guy, you know, salt of the earth, really good dude, because of how we view him as a football player. At the end of the day, they're all people, and they all have flaws. And don't get wrapped up into this weird hero worship that we kind of do with athletes and movie stars and all of these other high-profile people. I think it's a really good tale with that with Brett Favre. Shannon Sharp spoke his mind yesterday and uh, went in on Brett Favre. And, you know, if you don't know about the story, we really didn't intro the story. He apparently was in cahoots with the former governor of Mississippi to redirect money, welfare money, to help build a volleyball facility at his alma mater where his daughter goes, was at, um, Southern Miss. And Sharp had just, he had enough. You got to be a sorry mofo mm. to steal. Mississippi is the poorest state in our country. So if they're the poorest state, Brett Favre is taken from the, 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 uh, uh, the underserved. You made $100 plus million in the NFL. And they're talking about what he didn't know. This is what Brett Favre takes. If you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? So if you got to ask, ask this question, is there any way the media can find out? You already know you're doing something wrong. And Sharp's not theorizing. That came out in the reports. Those were texts between Favre and a uh, governor underlink. He knew what he was doing was wrong. He's already been in trouble for taking money, not delivering on speaking engagements, whatever. I mean, that, that clearly was a scam. Not paying the money back after repeated requests to pay the money back. Well, and the, the speaking engagement things has been linked back to this too, right? So that was part of it. Because he promised to do these speaking engagements for money, he never did, and he was going to use the money as part of this project. And I am amazed, amazed. And I get it. There are some people who are on social media that do stuff just to get a reaction. I am amazed on the amount of dumb people out there like, oh, we don't really know all the facts. We have the text messages. They are there in plain sight. If you just want to click the link, 
and read it. It's incredible how many people are coming no out No one's saying he's guilty of this. But w- once again, where there has been smoke, there seems to be fire. Right. So we'll wait for the whole thing to play out. And sadly, my guess is he'll get nothing. This will be a slap on the wrist. But it's, it's pretty intense government fraud by the former governor and one of their favorite sons. And can I just say, and I don't know if you have the second clip from Sharp because I don't want to step on it, but Sharp goes on to talk about the T.O. thing and the comparison there. Explain it before it plays because Doug Gottlieb yesterday, you know, I, I, when I'm driving in, I'll listen to a little bit of ESPN radio, but mostly more West Coast talk with Gottlieb. And Gottlieb started asking his whole staff about what do they think about bringing in Terrell Owens into the conversation. And, and Gottlieb didn't understand it. Because I'm like, how do you not understand it? T.O. is largely still vilified. And he's like negative and terms. Had a, and had a tough time getting into the Hall of Fame. Tough is a little strong. But had to wait a little bit to get into the Hall of Fame. And we had NFL people going on record saying, hey, you know what? I don't like his character. And that's the thing. The, the character is just being a little difficult when it came to media interactions. But as far as we know, any big legal issues following Terrell Owens around or off-field stuff that he constantly got into – Right? No. But and you you mentioned this when we talked about this yesterday. If you were to ask people and just poll them, you know, what is your view on Brett Favre versus Terrell Owens? Brett Favre would be largely positive. Terrell Owens would be largely negative. But it is Brett Favre who has sent unsolicited penis pictures. It is Brett Favre who's constantly finding himself in interactions like this where there's largely illegal activity going on. And yet it's Terrell Owens who is viewed as the negative. It is Terrell Owens who is viewed as the bad guy. And Shannon Sharp, I thought, said it well. He was just like, look, like this is because Terrell Owens, sorry, you don't like to hear it. I'm going to say it. It's because he's black. Because if you go back and look at his history when he played in the NFL, they should have tarnished it already. I talked to people that was in the room when Brett Favre went to the Hall of Fame and nobody mentioned about text messages that he sent to that jet masseuse. Mm. Nobody mentioned anything about the addiction that he suffered from. But yeah. yet, T.O., they brought up everything. Can you imagine if T.O. would have had an incident, incidents like Brett Favre off the field? T.O. still, to this day right now, would not be in the Hall of Fame. Yet they walk right past it like Brett Favre did nothing. I don't see how that's hard to understand. I don't either. Because I was around when T.O. got skewered during his career, and I was around when there were discussions. First couple times he was up for the Hall of Fame, character this, character that, and Brett Favre largely got a free pass not not from everyone because we talked about it we had jen sturger on multiple times she's talked about it um there was one night doing our late night podcast i kind of made a joke about brett Favre with cody decker on the show cody decker's married to jen sturger cody a former a triple a player here in vegas and cody was like yeah it's not funny i was like "Ooh, okay i didn't make a joke about that right. but i made some kind of joke but like they don't they don't want brett Favre's name mentioned any time around them Daily happy hour specials from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., including 277 for pint shots and margaritas at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens. Well, I try and learn from every game, no matter what the game was. We always talked about, you know, those five plays, the five that keep you up at night, you know. And I learned that from Coach Gruden, and Josh is the same way. Whether we won that game or lost it, that has always been the process that Josh, we're always going to try and get better, and that's always the process I've believed in. And, and then you go to practice and try and do those things better, not just say, okay, write it in your notebook, but then go out there today and do them. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Our car on the way back, assuming D.C. probably developed those habits while he was at Fresno State. A little college football here and then much more later in the show. UNLV 
North Texas Breakdown, also Brad Powers, at Brad Powers 7, our college football betting expert. He'll be in the 4 o'clock hour. We're on from 2 to 5 on Thursdays. 2 o'clock start every Thursday. We get out of the way generally for Thursday night football. Today, though, we're getting out of the way for Aces game three in Connecticut. Fresno, there's great games this weekend. Great matchups. Fresno getting 12.5 against USC. I normally would play the dog here. I don't like what I've seen in a lot of cases from the Fresno offensive line. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I, I thought they would be a little bit better. I'm so I'm intrigued by I am intrigued by Fresno as well. Here's the thing: I do feel you watch Breaking Bad, right? You were a Breaking Bad guy. I didn't really watch it, but I do know the iconic line of the uh, "He can't keep getting away with this," and I feel like that's the same thing with USC. The Rice game at the beginning of that game. Three of the first four drives, Rice actually gets into the red zone. Two of them end, or two of them ended touchdowns. There was a pick six as well. There were a bunch of pick sixes there. If you looked at the game against Stanford the other day, thirteen play, seventy-three yard drive, interception in the red zone by Stanford. Eleven plays, seventy-three yards, fumble inside the five-yard line by Stanford. There are so many drives yet again that ended with Stanford screwing themselves over in scoring position, and I was on Stanford. So I feel very upset about those because I watched that game and I took nine and a half. I feel like this USC defense is, for lack of a better term, getting away with murder. They have been very lucky in terms of the turnover differential in the first two games. And at some point, that is going to come back to bite you because a team is not going to consistently turn it over inside the 10-yard line over and over again against you. San Diego State, I do not believe, can lose to Utah by three touchdowns, but I also don't believe San Diego State can throw the ball. So if they can't run it, then what? I think they get smoked. I'm not like because my thing here is it's kind of what you're pointing out here. Your defense might be fine. I think your defense, especially once you get to the Mountain West, is going to look better. Especially, it's going to look much better than it did against Arizona. Having said that, I don't know what you're doing against Utah's defense in any way whatsoever. So even if this is a 24 to three ish type game, you're still talking about hovering right around that 21 point mark if you're Utah. Now I will say this, Steve. I think if you don't believe, because this is the other thing about sports betting, there's other ways to attack things. If you don't believe that, or if you, excuse me, I'm sorry, I should rephrase that. If you believe that 21 is too much for Utah, instead of risking that, like play like an under team total for San Diego State. So you can maybe still hover around at that point spread, but if you get screwed at the end, you're still talking about team totals, things like that, where you're going to be in there no matter what the point spread is. There's so many annoying spots for well known programs. Yeah. Like that one, you know, Utah. And USC in big games. What is Texas like emotionally this week? Off a really tight game with Alabama. I would think there would be some deflation. Next week, right, there's no bye. Next week, they go into conference play at Texas Tech. Yep. You think they care about UTSA? Because they should. And the spread on this one is what, 11.5? I, I got 12.5 12 12 in front of me. I mean, I would think you care. But it, and it's also a popular trend has been – I don't think it's been as effective in years in the last few seasons. I'd have to look it up. But the week after Alabama, whether it's a letdown, whether it's the physicality of Alabama, uh, which wears on a team, and then afterwards um, you have a relatively poor performance, or at least in context of a point spread. But I would say, given the fact that you know that Quinn Ewer's going to be down for a while and coming off of a really close loss like that, I would think that you're pretty focused on this matchup. Just given the fact that you're not in the best position with your starting quarterback going down and that Hudson card you would think would probably – want to put I shouldn't even say want that but would put forth a very good effort considering this is his first game as the starter this year I I tend to think that they would not they would be up for this now laying 12 and a half is another question I like this UTSA team 
But this Texas defense seems ahead of schedule. They seem really, really solid. They made Bryce Young and Alabama look pretty mundane in that game over the weekend. Next Wednesday, continuation of the Steve Sear Summer Tour with Cofield and company. It's the Summer Tour 2022. Next up, Wednesday, Bikini Tug of War. Wow. One of the greatest events we've ever done. We did it back about six years ago at the old Hard Rock. Bikini Tug of War, Wednesday, the Plaza Pool. Steve's got uh, ladies, three lady teams from nightclubs and gentlemen's clubs around Las Vegas. Officially sanctioned tug of war. Gigantic trophy is up for grabs. They were super competitive the last time we did it. I expect the same. Admission is free for locals. Next Wednesday, Plaza Pool. The competitors weigh in. Yeah, official weights on this. They weigh in, and at 4 o'clock, the tugging starts. Here we go. Wednesday. Bikini tug of war at the Plaza Pool. Coming up in the show, around 3.15, we're going to get into all these Pac-12 matchups and Mountain West crossover matchups against the Pac-12. Roxy Bernstein from Pac-12 Network and ESPN will join us. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. PSA to everyone out there. I'm speaking for myself, but I'm probably speaking for a large majority of other officers out there. If we're driving on the freeway in our police car, get the out of the way. Get the out of the way. If you merge and we follow behind you and we merge too, you're probably in trouble. The best way to find that out is get the out of the way. I can go 90 miles an hour. You can't. You can't do that. So get the out of the way. If us officers stay behind you long enough, we can find a reason to pull you over. So you might as well get the out of the way. Super simple. Lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor, Xavier Pope, is live on Cofield and Company. A local police officer on the way back there, not Vegas, but in Washington. Pretty interesting stuff there. Basically, I'll say. get out of the way. We'll find something on you. We can do 90 miles an hour. You can't. Um, a lot of people have seen that. And a lot of people are like, yep, sounds about right. I will, I will push back a little bit. Um, I have police officers in my family, past and present. I've uh, dated multiple police officers. Multiple. Yes. And uh, not all law enforcement is like that. And for her to say most of law enforcement agrees... Lady, stop. Okay, what you said was ridiculous, and then looping in everyone else, stop. Xavier Pope is with us. I know he saw that video. Xavier, how you doing, buddy? Great, gentlemen. How are you? Really good. But John looks really annoyed now after hearing that because I know he'd heard it before. So what was your take, and what's the reaction you've seen on the internets about this uh, young lady, police officer, in Washington? Yeah, it, 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 I'm glad you gave the lead in by, by saying that this isn't every cop. Um, but unfortunately, when someone them, as that is a cop says this is what all cops do, um, it, it paints a really terrible light um, when there is challenging um, relationships between communities of color and law enforcement. And frankly, um, why certain um, municipalities like Philadelphia got rid of certain ways that um, some of the minor uh, pullovers for traffic violations, like a, a taillight and things of that nature, because that's where some of these um, more um, publicized interaction with law enforcement that leads to shooting or death of black and brown people occur because someone's looking for a reason to pull you over. And then here's a video of a white cop saying, we can, we, if you're in our way, get out of the way, and then we can just pull you over, and we can make up a reason to pull you over. Um, that sounds extremely damaging to the reputation, her reputation, also to that police department, um, and also to 
officers as a whole, people who actually do their jobs, get up every single day, want to truly serve and protect, and then someone's coming out there and telling, um, talking about your job and basically saying you are intentionally targeting citizens. That's not how you're supposed to use your badge. And on top of that, Steve, I mean, she gets suspended for 10 hours, which is equal to only one shift. Yeah. I also, um, I'm a, a viewer of TikTok, and we know that some law enforcement people have gotten in trouble on Facebook for posting stuff that was uh, incredibly damaging and offensive. I don't understand why you would even think it's okay while you're on shift to be jerking around on TikTok. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. I think, I think that just goes to everyone. We have social media. Everyone feels like they have a voice to say something. But we also have a society where that some of the worst parts of human character has reached online. And people are now feeling proud to share how big jerks they are. And there are tons of jerks who, oh, I love you being a jerk. And so we have a society that people are encouraged to be giant asses because that's what's getting the attention. And, Xavier, you hit on it to me, like, what is the base issue with this, which is at the end of the day, like, the, the punishment for this, I think a lot of people look at it and go, oh, you know, 10 hours, that's fine, what's the big deal? Well, she's alleging that she's going to make up like make up stuff to get people in legal trouble. That sets them behind the eight ball in such a big deal, and we see so many other instances of this. There's the cop that was uh, if were viewed or excuse me, filmed by an attorney where he goes, you can't film me. Oh, it's a new law, just passed. And he's trying, to get, he's trying to get them to stop recording them. At the end of the day, they're not being held accountable, whether it's something as small as complaining that people are getting in their way or something as large as making up laws that can't be recorded. And, like, that's the problem. That's always the base, the root of it, which is there is no real repercussions for things like this, big or small, and they're going to continue to happen, big and small. And then what, what about all of the other maybe tickets or people who have been arrested in her past over yep. the course of a career? I know she has been in the force that long. But that's still enough time being on the force for a particular period of time to maybe establish a, 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 a series of conduct that, that we maybe have to look and see what she has done. So just 10 hours isn't enough. She needs to be investigated. And can I just say, too, really quickly, if you are getting that agitated as a, as a law enforcement officer that somebody's driving slowly in front of you, What's happening in her exchanges with the public when it's actually like a high-intensity situation, right? Because that's the other part about this. You got so irritated that someone was driving slow in front of you, you felt like you had to go to TikTok and vent about it. What's happening when you're in charge of actually calming down a situation? I'm willing to bet that she's probably not in a lot of instances where she's actually bringing the temperature down. And think about all the times that you're, you're, you're outside when you walk, you're in a car, and police officers are zooming past you, going past lights. You're going to think twice. Is, is this really, are you doing this just to have fun, joyriding in your car? Or are you actually using this for a police purpose? Because she did this while she was on the job yep. with the vest inside of her car. Xavier Pope is with us, attorney out of Chicago, host of Suit Up News, and our cultural contributor here on Cofield and Company. All right. the Apparently, the uh, Saudis and the Live League are peddling their product. They want to get on a bigger platform. Right now, they're just streaming. And so far... Uh, we found out that Amazon and Apple both said, no, thank you. No dice. Uh, it looks like they, and it, it, it isn't just, they didn't just say no. They weren't, um, as, according to reports, um, Wall Street Journal reported on this, uh, that they, had, they, were, they weren't even at a serious stage. So Apple, they said, oh, uh, no, 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 thank you. They, they, they weren't even a serious consideration. I think that right now Live Golf is absolutely a live a third, a third rail type of topic in terms of dealing with any content. 
and and then they have days in where they where they they stream their content in their YouTube channel, and that's where they're showing now. But I mean, they're spending tons of money. They have two billion dollars lined up with investors, shelled out, have a twenty-five million dollar purse that's bigger than any purse that's in the PGA. And so, we're, we're, is there even an expectation to even get some sort of ROI on this, or is this just part of the the, the public relations thing with the uh, with, with Saudi Arabia? Um, so uh, it, it, this is a weird situation, but they're not getting touched by really any major broadcast partners right now, even though they're shelling a bunch of ton, ton of money out. You know, the football season is a weird thing for the sports news cycle because during these five months, I feel like everything just pales in comparison to the NFL and college football. And a story like Robert Sarver, the owner of the Suns, should be a massive story based on the allegations. The penalty from the NBA was one year and $10 million dollars. Uh, what he was doing over the years is completely ridiculous, uh, offensive to any workplace. Women talking about his wiener and blowies and just out of control, proudly getting in discussions about the N-word and saying it over and over and over again. And this is all Adam Silver does? Yeah, and Adam Silver, his his explanation about it was, was, was left wanting. It, it, it was awful. And Adam Silver is normally good on this stuff, right, guys? Um this is where the league has woefully failed. And I think we're living in a MAGA environment where, where the things are being both considered both sides, politicized, where if this is 2013 um, when Donald Sterling was, was kicked out of the league by the NBA, uh, he would, he'd be gone. But now we're living in a society where some of this behavior is often celebrated and often tolerated in our culture. And I think that in a league full of African-American players, a guy is shooting off the mouth and also looking to hire more female executives in the sport, a guy being that disgusting. I know that he, his, the team is worth about $1.8 billion, and he stands to make tons of money if he's forced to sell. But it just goes to show you that on a $10 million and stay away from the sport, as his team continues to climb in value, this doesn't punish Sarver at all. I saw Mark Spears, longtime NBA reporter, said that this surpasses Donald Sterling. Uh, and if it hasn't already, it could in the future. It's highly insulting that Sarver gets to come back to the NBA in a year. And I also speaking up, LeBron spoke up and CP3 spoke up. In CP3's case, I mean, would it, would it get to a point where you're like, yeah, as long as he's the owner, I'm not playing? Yeah, I mean, that, that's how you use your leverage as a player, right? Because remember, during the, 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 the pandemic, NBA players – that's exactly what they did, and the result was voting being offered in many NBA arenas, and this also potentially helped tip the scale in a Georgia election. Um, so it had a real societal impact what players did, and I think they need to put their money where their mouth is. LeBron James, if you're criticizing the league, Chris Paul, if you're criticizing the league, you are, both of you all are seen as, are seen as off-the-field leaders of players. You can make sure that you can put pressure on the league to maybe do something right now. I don't really see anything else happening besides this. And the league, what they have on their side is they don't really have any video like with Donald Sterling or any audio of some of his behavior. And I think because of that, the situation is less sensationalized. They can brush it under the rug and keep moving and business is used in the NBA. But it is not something that should be allowed in the NBA, and it's something that players should step up for. Well, another guy who's had a uh, real sordid history – is in the news and Brett Favre, and now we're looking at 
allegations of government corruption going back to a former governor of Mississippi. Uh, it appears that these are pretty serious allegations being lobbed at him. Does this one stick? What could potentially happen uh, in this case where Brett Favre had money redirected his way and basically admitted in text that he knew exactly what was going on? Yeah, I mean, he knew exactly what was going on. And uh, and, the, and the person he was talking to, uh, they just it, they are, are, are pled guilty. Uh, and so this they could be they could be going to jail, right? Uh, but right now, Favre and the former governor haven't been charged. Uh, what it does appear is if this this individual was instrumental of making some of the go between, and so they bear a lot of some of the criminal responsibility for this. Now, Brett Favre said he did not know where the money was coming from, but okay, well, you did you were supposed to speak for these these welfare events. And then you didn't do it, and now you're paying some of it back. So you're, you, you, you. I don't know any situation where you steal money, and people put. Then you're put on a, a payment plan. Uh, there are many people that are experiencing real welfare, or people who are engaged potentially in welfare fraud over a couple hundred dollars. Uh, Shannon Sharp said this is really great on Fox Sports, talking about they could be subject to prison. But here is Brett Favre, a free man, and he's had a history. Of, of multiple behaviors that run afoul of the law. And I think that he just sold himself to be just an awful dude. I tweeted this. This has been shared over a thousand times here on, on Twitter. This Brett Favre should be in jail. Period. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing, you know, that stuff like this happens. But we're not surprised by it because I think it happens all the time. And with athletes, like, one of the great cases in the history of sports was Kurt Schilling getting $75 million for his company – he went bankrupt. He paid back $2.5 million to the state of Rhode Island. And in the last three weeks, he was pointing fingers over the student debt relief issue, yeah. complaining <laughs> that people were getting debt relief. $73 million, Kurt! Where is it? Well, Kurt Schilling is, is, is a grifter. We, and and he, he, there's a right-wing sports contingency, like Clay Travis of the world, who feel like they can just go after race issues, race hustlers, and do what they do. And embedded behind the whole student debt issue is the concept of what welfare is. But welfare is okay in, for, for, for rich people, but it's also okay if you steal money from welfare as well, and you get to be a free person. But the average show Schmoe, uh, they don't get a chance to be able to get a leg up. And think about what's happening in the state of Mississippi. And when the water crisis in Mississippi, when a, that 80-plus percent of our population is African-American, some of the legacies of the civil rights movement and some of the white flight that happened, and some of the, 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 the issues going on with the leadership of that state, uh, racist Republican governors, and, and what, how it's impacted the future of those residents in that city. And, and some of those people could truly need help. And then you look on the television, and it's a guy that's stealing money. Pretty amazing. In your state. Xavier, what do you got coming up on Pseudo News this week? And we're talking a little bit more about the privilege of being Robert Sarver. And also... Are. And I, I, it is, these are some huge societal issues, and I think it's very important that we pay attention to what, how the difference in treatment and what is in the impact of society. And I think it's something that, that the audience definitely should pay more attention to. Go to hashtag Shoot Up News for the latest episode at Xavier Pope, E-X-A-V-I-E-R-P-O-P. Xavier, good spot. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Love you guys. There you say Love it. you too. Mm. I don't know if that sounded genuine either. No, it did. It was intense. I wanted to let him know. Love you too. Because you never say it back to him. No, actually, I've been trying to. I've been trying to jump him before he says it. So last week, I actually said it to him before he could say it I was to me. Say when you sign off, you just say, "Xavier, love you." 
I want it to be genuine. I don't want to, you know, you're, you're making it sound like it's all planned. If well, I feel the spot, then I say I love you. I mean, generally you say I, I love did, you to people. I, when you, I, I actually did feel that spot a lot. Another hour on the way from Silver 7s. Get on down here. Big Thursday night football game on the way with 77-cent beers.